Hello, everybody. Welcome to the LA Kings Corner Podcast. This is officially episode four. In this podcast, we address the biggest news in all of sports. Shohei Otani signs a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers, but we don't specifically talk about that. Is a hard cap in the National Hockey League best for business? Is parity in the National Hockey League best for business? From there, we talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets game. The Kings were down 3-0 and come back to win it in overtime, 4-3. Afterward, we move on to Montreal and address Brendan Gallagher's comments about the Kings potentially being a boring hockey club and will teams be able to figure it out. And finally, we address tonight's game against the New York Islanders and what to expect from that game. So thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to LA Kings Corner Podcast, Episode 4. Hey, Kings fans, welcome back to another episode of LA Kings Corner, the podcast for the fans, by the fans. It's Ryan Marvin here. It is December 9th, getting closer to Christmas, folks. Are you, uh, have you got your loved one a special gift? If you haven't, uh, stay tuned till later where we unload some of our favorite special gifts for the ladies in your life. Uh, but hey, we're welcoming Josh Norris and Ryan Marvin. Uh, and Corey Marvin, sorry, we're talking LA Kings hockey, uh, pretty great week. They're on the road and they continue to win, but some really interesting news. We want to start, start off with some, um, with a topic that we're going to, we're going to connect the dots here for you folks and how this comes back to the Kings and to hockey overall. But, uh, Josh, interesting news in all of sports. Yeah, the biggest story has just dropped, what, like an hour ago. The biggest story in all of sports is Shohei Otani signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers for 10 years, $700 million. It's the biggest story in sports. And um, it's just interesting because recently I've been talking to you guys in the group chat and I've been even talking about with some people on social media about what the NHL should do with their with their cap situation, uh, do they want to keep it at a hard cap? Do they want to eliminate the cap or do they want to go with a soft cap, like something like the NBA has? And um, just what I was thinking about now, there's two different ways. There's two different uh, perspectives to look at this through, right? There's the perspective of the diehard hockey fan, which we are, where a hard cap would make it, so that the smaller market teams, let's say, or the teams with less money are still able to compete because a hard cap doesn't enable the teams with the deepest pockets to just spend on the best players and, and create these super teams, right? Um, but the other perspective to look at it through, so there's the diehard hockey fan perspective, and then there's the business side that I think we have to take into consideration. And the business side of the cap situation goes like this. And this is just something that I was thinking about, something to think about. I'm not suggesting that I agree with this or anything like that, but from a business perspective, let's say that we're employees of the NHL and we see a guy like Shohei Otani sign for the Los Angeles Dodgers, which regardless of however I feel about the Dodgers these days or however I feel about whatever, whatever goes into that, regardless of how I feel about it, it's great for Major League Baseball. A high marquee team just landed the biggest superstar, probably in sports, maybe in sports, and he's going to be on all the national televised games. The Dodgers are probably going to make the playoffs. It's going to be make a boatload of money for Major League Baseball, right? So that's a good thing for baseball. Now, if the NHL were to eliminate the cap and go back to the days where they had no cap, I guess my question is this, was as 
was it better for business back in the days where we had Colorado and Detroit kind of having these super teams and meeting each other in the playoffs a lot? And there was a couple teams in the East, right? Was it better for business back then? Obviously, there wasn't as much money floating around considering it was 2000 as opposed to 2023. But was it better for business or would it be better for business if, let's say, hypothetically, Connor McDavid's contract is up and he lands somewhere in, let's say, New York. And now New York is on every nationally televised game. They're not playing at 730. You got the big markets, New York, Philly, McDavid, uh, against all those guys back east. Isn't that good for the game? Now, with the hard cap, you're not going to get that. You know, you're probably going to be able to retain a guy like McDavid and keep him in Edmonton. Now, that's good for diehard hockey fans like us, but is it best for business? I guess that's the question I'm posing to y'all. Right, you got this one. I, I don't know. I, that's that's a tough one for me. I I don't know how it would stand. And um, Josh, we were talking a little bit earlier. How does that work um, with the teams that have owners who aren't you know willing to fork up the dough? Um, what 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 is it in baseball? What is it if you it's a luxury tax that they have to do? Yeah, if you spend however much you spend, you pay X amount of dollars in luxury tax. So the Dodgers are going to pay out the yin yang in luxury tax, but there's no cap, so they can pay Otani seven hundred mil. And that money for the luxury tax goes to the bottom teams in the league. Is that right? Yeah, something like revenue sharing, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how that would work in the NHL, but I think you might be right. You might be onto something as far as like the big picture. Is that is that better for the game? And it, it could be. I think when you walk around and maybe maybe uh, my perspective is skewed living in California, but when I go places like let's just say like a Disneyland or I go to the city or whatever, you know, you you see the big jerseys from all these other teams, right? All the stars, uh, wherever they're from. So it, it I mean, that's really what promotes the game, right? We talked about it last week, too, with um, Sid and Ovi and how they saved the NHL, right? Those were big stars that the, the statement was made that they saved the game. So it might behoove the NHL to to get those kind of players on the big market teams where they could promote them the best. I think that might be the best for business as far as that goes. It's a super interesting topic, guys. And I think the other thing that comes to mind is that it was just announced yesterday that the anticipated salary cap for the NHL next season is going to be $87.4 million per team. Um, obviously, this seems like a, a lot of money, but when you hear a player signing a $700 million deal over the next 10 years, I mean, ultimately, like one player just ate up an entire team's almost an entire team's salary cap, right? 700 divided by 10. You're talking about $70 million a season. So the national hockey league has some, has some room to grow in terms of uh, continuity to catch up with the other leagues. With that being said, baseball is a unique sport in the fact that they have a hundred plus games a season um, and players are playing a lot more, and, and and that allows them to draw more in terms of the media coverage because they're covering more games, they're getting more marketing, they're getting more uh, fans in the stadium from concessions and all that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to compare and contrast sport to sport. The other thing that comes to mind just recently announced a few days ago as well um, was John Rom. right? John Rom goes from the PGA Tour, who a year ago said, well, 
I have enough money. I don't need more money, but he signs a $600 million deal with live golf. Um, and, and so at some point, you know, hockey needs to probably, I would say, ramp up the, the pay in terms of what, uh, what guys are making. I mean, the, the, the story about golf for years was look, these guys have much longer careers than a tip than another sports than another athlete does, right. They could play for 10, 15, 20 years. You got a guy like Phil Mickelson, who's been playing for, you know, 30 plus years. Um, so that was always the story on golf, but, and then you've got NFL where these guys, the careers are so short. I mean, very rarely do you have a guy like Tom Brady, who's playing until he's 40. I mean, typically if you're an offensive lineman or a running back, for instance, I mean, your career span is very short, so you should be demanding high dollars. Um, so it's, I mean, the whole idea, the whole concept, it definitely raises a lot of thoughts. It raises a lot of questions. There's a lot of, uh, interesting thoughts that I have on, on the NHL and how, and how teams could be structured. Um, but to me, guys, I think, Hockey is the uh, is the best team sport or the most team oriented sport that there is in all of sports because you, in order to win at the highest level, you li- you literally need like 26, 20, you know twenty two guys who are all contributing. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, they talk about the parity in the league too, right? That's a big. And it seems like that's celebrated amongst the people who, you know, are on TV talking about hockey is how competitive the league is. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of it compared to baseball. I mean, the big dogs are the big dogs pretty much year in and year out, right? And the salary kind of dictates that, you know, maybe not so much last year. I think the Yankees were pretty high, but they, they didn't really do squat last year, did they? And then the Mets also, the Mets paid a, a billion dollars or whatever. And they didn't do anything either. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, I feel like you sacrifice. What are you sacrificing, right? So where's the drop-off come from? There's got to be, you know, if you make a change, um, you're going to be sacrificing something to make that change. And I'm just curious what that would be, what that would look like. I think it would be, I think ultimately what the sacrifice is, again, hypothetically, if, if the NHL decided to go with no cap, I think you're sacrificing what you just said, Marvel, which would be the parity. And I believe as, you know, even though we try to, we're going to try to look at things through a business perspective, ultimately that's, I'm not a part of the, the NHL's business. I'm a hockey fan. So I believe that the parity in the league is a draw for me, is a draw for us. Is it a draw for the casuals? It would be the question. Uh, is it a draw for the viewership that we're trying to bring in? Now, here's the thing. I think there are ways that the NHL could draw viewers and to grow in popularity while retaining a hard cap. And that would be to sort of revamp the way they air the game on television, I think. And also it would be to promote these guys, promote these stars that the league does have because there's so many of them. But I think we've talked about this before, Marv, where, there could be a superstar NHL player walking down the street and hardly anybody would notice them unless you're a super diehard hockey fan. So, but I think that's kind of the way that I would suggest to revamp the way you air hockey on television is to get these guys faces on camera instead of buried in equipment, buried in a helmet, half shield, all that stuff. You can't even really tell. So I don't know. It's just, 
if I can say one more thing about the, we're missing one thing. So we have no cap and we have a hard cap and there's in the middle, there's a soft cap, or at least the one that we haven't really talked about yet. The NBA has a soft cap. And this is the one thing I know about a soft cap. I don't know all the details, but here's what I know about the soft cap. The soft cap allows mm -hmm. you to go over the cap if it means you're retaining one of your own players. So in the Kings example, if the NHL implemented a soft cap, they would be able to make, uh, retain a guy like Matt Roy but they might not be able to go out and sign a new free agents, but they can retain the guys that they have. Uh, NBA has a soft cap like that. Now what the NBA has done somehow, some way is they have marketed their superstars and somehow, some way or another, they have, they've had super teams. I don't know how they've gone about this, but the NBA does seem like a model that I would kind of go after because especially when you get guys like LeBron playing a Steph Curry, those ratings go through the roof. And I feel like the K or the, the NHL could do something similar, I believe. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure. But, yeah, from a business perspective, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. But I think to answer the original question, Marv, is you're sacrificing the parity and a lot of small market teams. Or not even just small markets, but the teams with, uh, what would you say, the cheapest pockets. Well, you know, they're going to they're gonna end up not competing most years. Something like, uh, well, I don't know, like the Kansas City Royals, let's say. But then you have teams in baseball. Baltimore Orioles made a run. The Arizona Diamondbacks were in the series. So still, even with no cap, it kind of it does depend about, about how you draft, uh, how you develop guys. So even with no cap, I still feel, especially with all the talent coming up, uh, this, the generation that coming up into the NHL, they're all so good. I'm not sure, you know. It's, I'm not sure. What do you guys think about um, rewarding, you know, like obviously creating a, a cap where everybody has to, to be in the hard cap, but you know, there's also bonuses for overall team success, obviously like um, individual teams having bonus structure for their players and their performance, but also uh, team team performance, right? So if a team wins the cup, you know, like, Hey, the team is getting, um, a bonus. And if you make it to the finals, you know what I mean? Both teams are getting bonuses. And so that, then that money is distributed amongst the the players and, and, and staff and that kind of thing. Because then, I mean, ultimately you're kind of like rewarding the guys who are, who are the best you're rewarding the teams that are the best. And, um, and then obviously, you know, there's more, like the guys are still going to be making good money. You know what I mean? They're still going to be making great money, but like, the, the, the reason I thought of this is obviously golf, right? Because golf is uncapped in a way that where if you if you go out like Tiger used to and win all of these tournaments, plus you got your endorsements, I mean, there's no real stop. There's nothing stopping you if you're the best player out there. You're just continuing to win millions after millions after millions. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like if your team if your team wins, you're playing more hockey. It's more wear and tear on your body. It's more, you know what I mean? But you're also generating a boatload more revenue for your owner, for the franchise, for the, you know, you're getting more TV time. Um, you know, is there a way to reward those guys and those teams that do that do win? I don't mind the idea at all. You know, it would it would just promote teams putting the best product on the ice, which I think is a great idea. While you were talking, Marv, I, I was just thinking, okay, well then if we're going to reward the best teams, should the worst teams be penalized? And because there is a problem with tanking uh, teams as well, 
and if you have a uh, so like under no cap, that would be kind of tough because you know teams would just naturally kind of sink to the bottom. But I mean, there is a problem with tanking because the generation that's coming up, the talent is so good. So if you tank, you get rewarded. That's a little strange, right? To uh, intentionally suck and then get rewarded with a top guy. That's kind of that's a little bit odd. But I guess you run into a problem here with what if a team is actually not taking, they're actually just kind of stinky. Uh, it would kind of be unfair to penalize them for that. But as far as the rewarding the teams uh, and just putting more players or money, more money in the players' pockets, because as we look at live golf and major league baseball, they're getting paid so much more. And here the NHL guys are grinding out 82 games practice plus playoffs. It's just, yeah, I mean, they probably deserve uh, to get paid a little bit more than they are. You guys like the show Ted Lasso? I think, uh, what's up? What's up, guys? Can you hear me? You had to. Yeah, go for it, Dal. Um, I think something to take into consideration if, like, you want to penalize teams for tanking, uh, injuries would be a tough part of that. You know, you lose a couple of key pieces um, that really hurt your team. Like, an NFL team loses a quarterback. I mean, quarterback's everything in the NFL. But if you lose a couple key centers, like we lost Kopitar, Byfield, that could severely hurt the team. I don't, wouldn't say they would tank after that, but that would be a <clears throat> a tough pill to swallow um, if your team does sustain some season-ending injuries and then, which in result, has a bad season. Yeah, that's a good point, Dolly. Yeah, I think injuries injuries are definitely something to that that happens, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's all about building a an organization. And I think the question that I have too is I do you guys have you guys seen Ted Lasso, the the Apple series Ted Lasso? I'm not, I'm not yet. Oh my gosh. It's a great, it's great, dude. It's you know, it's a comedy, but um, you know, it's over this football coach goes over to Europe. And for those of you who have seen it, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and basically they call him a wanker because he doesn't, he's an American. He doesn't know anything about soccer, but really what he does know is he knows about team building. He knows about people. Right. And so they're in their second division overseas. And the interesting thing about soccer is they have relegation, right? Where guess what happens to the bottom teams? They get relegated to the next division down. Um, and so would that be a concept that could be, you know, something that, uh, would be interesting, right. To almost create like a relegation aspect. Now, obviously guess who's not going to be a part of that, or we're not going to want to be a part of that. All these million, all these multi-billionaire owners who are like, Oh, hell no, I'm not getting my, you know, relegation, but, uh, do we live in the society, right? Where everybody wants, everybody wants a badge. Everybody wants a trophy. And, and ultimately like, dude, there is a level of competition where, Hey, you know, if guys aren't, if guys aren't producing, if teams aren't winning, then heads are going to roll. I mean, that's just the way it's got to be. Um, especially in professional sports, it's just like the government, you know what I mean? Like you got all these government officials and they're doing uh, just a spe- a, spl- a splendid, spectacular job. Right. So, I mean, they should definitely get their job and be rewarded. Oh, sorry. No, that's, that's the opposite. Sorry. Hey, Dale, did you get a, you get a haircut or you get it done? You look great. Got them all cut. Thanks. You just got out of the shower. Um, got a haircut the other day. First one in a couple months. Thanks, Core. Hey, Dale, I can't see you. What do you mean you can't see me? You're just a black screen on my end here. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, let's uh, 
we got like three hours till puck drop, so let's let's punch in, punch out here. What do you got for us as far as the Kings? Hey, yeah, so um, great. Hey, great week, guys, right? So the Kings played Columbus on Tuesday night. They were on the road. They got down three goals. I, I, I remember texting you guys after I came out. Uh, I went into the simulator, playing the golf simulator with the family, and they're down three rip. I come out and take a look at my phone. Kings win 4-3 in overtime. Um, now, Josh, you and I had talked a little bit about this. Watching and kind of listening to the first two periods, Kings didn't didn't look like they were doing or, or playing much of the way that they had played. Um, had a tough time generating offense, a tough time with you know odd man rushes against Columbus. Um, but man, watching that third period comeback when I came back and watched it, like that first seven minutes, it literally could have been five three Kings. They had so many chances. Hit a post, puck bounced on top of the net, plus the three goals that they had. Um, I thought it was just an absolutely tremendous come from behind victory. Dowdy scores that overtime winner and uh, the Kings stayed alive, right? They tied the record in uh, for the most wins to start a season on the road. Um, so I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. I was super stoked that uh, Copley uh, Copley was able to um, get the W uh, MVP of the game, I think, is is Philippe Deneau. The guy is just kind of like one of those heart and soul type guys. Um, am I missing anything? That comeback was sweet, right? I think um, just that early goal, we always talk about this with Josh on certain things on breaking the game up, but you're down three rip going into the third period. It's almost like you have to get one early or else it's not going to happen. And they got one like 30 seconds into the third. And that goal is the one that gives you the guys on the bench like, oh, wait, we, we got one quick here. We're only down two now. Now we got that Josh likes to cut the game into two-minute, ten-minute halves. We get one before ten, and then we got to hold another ten, uh, another ten to tie. So without that first goal there early, you know, I don't know if they're going to get the same outcome. But, boy, scoring quickly really gives you an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Quick note on Dano, Marv, that you brought up. I uh, just I read a statistic on Twitter that said when the Kings are trailing, Dano is like a top five player in the National Hockey League. So when the Kings are losing, Dano is the guy that steps to the forefront and gets it going for us. Yes, uh, through the first forty minutes of that game against Columbus, I didn't think the Kings were anywhere close. Uh, they couldn't even sniff the game. Couldn't make a two foot pass, and we're getting dominated by really what is an inferior team. Uh, and then, yes, Core is right. I, I do like to, okay, break this down into two 10-minute periods. You get one in the first 10, and then you got a game, right? Well, they score in the first 30 seconds. It's like mission accomplished, and now we're in it. If that if, that, if those first 10 minutes go by and there's no goals, it's 3-0, now you need three in 10 minutes. Let's just, you know, let's just pack it up and head to Montreal, right? So, but, yeah, uh, they get, their, they get uh, three goals in just under seven minutes. And you're right, Marv, they could have went 5-3. What I like about the game the most is is the boxes that we checked. As I know, Core, like in the last pod, we have certain boxes that we check, winning day games, stuff like that, beating teams that we should be uh, checking those boxes. There's a couple boxes that we checked, and even Core just alluded to it in that last, um, what he just said, was, well, we checked the boxes for ugly goals. We got a couple ugly ones in that 
in that third period there. Uh, we checked the box where we're not playing our best hockey, not even close to it, and we still find ways to win. That's a that's a sure that's a sign of a team that can contend for a Stanley Cup because you're not going to be at your best every single night. And actually, in this case, they were they were actually at their worst and still found a way to win. Again, Columbus is Columbus. That's fine, but you can only play the team that's in front of you. So they checked that box too, and then it's one thing to get um, to tie it, but they check the box where they actually come back and win it. And one box that they also checked, and we'll get to it when we get to the Montreal game, but it would be very easy to ride that emotional high all the way to Montreal and lay down and, and lose that one because it just tends to happen. When you, when you get up emotionally, there seems to be a setback. Kings didn't do that in Montreal. They go out there and they pump Montreal to 4-0. So that's, there's a bunch of boxes being checked that you need to see checked if you're going to compete for a Stanley Cup. Also, did you guys, we've seen a couple guys kind of drive the middle a little bit here. I think Trevor Moore um, took a puck from the corner right in front of the net. Uh, Quentin Byfield in Montreal kind of cutting in the middle power, you know, stuffing that puck in. So they, they get, like you said, Josh, a couple, couple greasy goals also. Kind of the stuff that we were wanting to see and we were worried about against Washington. They came back and answered pretty damn well. Yeah, I think I, I think one of the things that comes to mind, guys, is confidence. Um, the team the team has this sense of confidence, and I think there's something that we've all enjoyed about going on road trips with with the team. Right? There's something about it when you go on the road with the with with the boys. When you go on the road and you're staying in the hotel with each other, you're going out to eat with each other. You know what I mean? It's like that time on the road uh, together. Uh, it can help grow the bond so much. And I think one of the things or the historical um, aspects of Todd McClellan's teams that we've heard some of the uh, management talk about is that usually Todd's teams start slow and then about midseason, they kind of turn it on. Well, something shifted in my mind. Something shifted the other night. You know, here was a guy that we brought in and you guys know uh, my thoughts. And I had a dream about Todd. We were, we were hanging out and chit-chatting and he and the coaches were going to go do something. They didn't invite me, but that was just a dream. Maybe he'll invite me, you know, once we get this thing up and rolling and we're, <laughs> we're staying positive and supportive. But I think the original, what I was getting to is when we hired him, it was shortly after, you know, the Kings had beat San Jose with a reverse sweep. Um, in 2014 and then and then you know you bring you, you bring that coach in to to coach the team well does he have the ability you know what i mean to finish things out to close out a game and to come from behind right and what we saw against columbus was the confidence to be able to come back and come from behind and we also saw the continuity that happened when they scored the game winner in overtime the the joyous celebration that the team embraced in as Dowdy came to that bench was absolutely wonderful. And I think that's one of the things that's so great about hockey and sports is when you see humans compete and come together and they overcome an obstacle, that's what we're looking for. That's why we love it. That's why we love the game. And that's why we love how it connects to life. Well said, right? That is, that, that's that's when you get the goosebumps. That's when the tingle set in, right? Like, oh, the buildup is great, and you're cheering. But then when you yeah, when you see that celebration, the, the smiles jumping over the bench, people hugging, then that's when you, I get the tingles down my neck. You know oh, what I mean? yeah, it's the best. It's, it's the best feeling, and that's why we do. That's why we do love this game for sure. I think the 
the biggest point I like to see in that Blue Jackets game, it kind of started when the they lost to the Caps in the third period. The Kings were able to put the throttle down in the third and like really go get it. There seems to be like a um, a theme with other teams thinking the Kings just sit back and only play a one three one, but if they need to, they can actually go down and just can be continuous pressure. I saw it in the Caps, even though they didn't, they did score, got taken away, and then they're down three zero and. They just go down, they they pipe four goals in 25 minutes, you know. So they do have the ability to get out of that 1-3-1 and go get a goal if they need to. Um, so I don't know if all that buzz other teams are thinking. You know, they just only sit in a 1-3-1. The Kings have so much skill, they can just – they can. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff, Dally. We can actually – let's get to that. Uh, now, that's actually – we can get to the Montreal. There's actually not a whole lot to say about the Montreal game, really. Uh, the first period – the Habs actually did hit a couple of posts and uh, we took an early penalty, the classic Kevin Fiala bad penalty. We ever, we were able to kill that. And then shortly thereafter, we get the goal. It could have went a different way in that first period. Uh, but for whatever, it just didn't. And the Kings were able to do what they need to do. They end up, this is another box somehow, you know, even if they got at their best in that first period there, they still find a way to be up two nil after one. And one of the one of the things that is different about the Kings this year is we have a guy, even a couple of guys, but one guy in particular who all it takes is one moment of brilliance, and we have a two goal lead somehow. Quentin Byfield with that Anze Kopitar Chris Pronger goal, right? We have guys that can great where it's not going right. All it takes is one shift, one moment of brilliance, and all of a sudden we have a lead. But I want to get to what Dallas is saying here, uh, Brendan Gallagher has a couple of comments or, or just one comment about the Kings. And he says this after the four nil victory for LA Gallagher says, everyone knows they're playing that one, three, one, they sit back, they wait. It would be nice to have a lead and you could literally hold the puck all game. They're not going to come. It's different, but teams will figure it out. And now here's the thing about the comment is there's no, all I can do is read that. I don't know his voice tone. I don't know his body language. For all I know, he could be putting us over. But what it sounds like is that he's insinuating that the Kings play a boring brand of hockey. Now, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with a guy who's actually in the show. But from my vantage point, as far as I can tell, Kings don't start the game boring. They start the, they start the games with their foot on the gas. And they get up 2-0. They get up 3-0. And then they sit back and they wait for the other team to make the mistakes because they're the ones that have to chase the game. The Kings no longer have to chase the game when we have a lead. So is that boring? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it necessarily call it a boring brand of hockey. I mean, if we look at the skill is out there on the Kings, Trevor Moore gets the, what was it? The third, was it the third goal or the fourth goal? doesn't matter on a breakaway, bing, bing up skill. Dude, that's not boring stuff to watch at all. So what he might call boring I don't know man I, I think it's a very efficient and for for my money maybe because I'm a Kings fan but entertaining brand of hockey what do y'all think yeah I think they are entertaining I think um we've actually struggled with a couple boring teams this year we struggled at home versus Philadelphia they were really boring um we lost to um the Capitals they kind of sat back were kind of boring we're about to play one of the notoriously boring uh, teams in the league today in the Islanders, right? Uh, the Chicklets boys talk about them. They're, they're kind of um, that type. They like to try to play defense and lull you to sleep. And I'm curious how they're going to 
um, if they're able to keep it going on the road today. I think scoring first for this team is big. Um, I think that we score more goals uh, than we ever have. I think if you've been a Kings fan long enough, you really love watching this team. So I like how you mentioned, Josh, who, who knows what that, that quote really was. You really do need context um, and communication to see what he was even talking about. But in regards to that tweet, yeah, I, I think the Kings are more than just a, a trap team. You know, we can, we can play it always. Yeah, I think uh, you guys hit the nail on the head. And looking at some of the statistics, I think that would back that up is the Kings lead the NHL in goals for per game, right? So uh, 3.87 goals per game, but they also are pretty high in the uh, pretty high in the league in goals against. And I think one of the key components that we saw as an improvement on this team from last year's team, and we've talked about it, and we've heard the broadcasters Stoli and Patrick, you know, O'Neill and and Nixon and and Jim Fox and Daryl Evans talk about the penalty kill has been so good, and the game against Can- uh, the Canadians. We had a couple huge kills that we immediately were able to capitalize on to follow. And those are nails in the back of a team you're playing against. So you can sit and complain about them running a one, three, one, but the truth of the matter is the Kings had timely penalty kills and they were able to capitalize on opportunities when they needed to. Uh, again, first two minutes, last two minutes of the period Kings scored, I believe in the last two minutes of the first and boom, there you go. Okay. So timing is a big part of the game of hockey, but the key statistic that stands out to me was the overall penalty kill improvement because I think that that gives you a sense of confidence when you're playing your five on five game. Now, guess what? You can be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe you could take a little bit more chance um, because guess what? You know, you're not worried about uh, getting scored on, on the PK. They're second in the league in the national hockey league at the PK this year. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Marv, if I can, you know what? Can I digress? You were talking about Todd McClellan. I just want to make this one point about him where uh, you mentioned the reverse sweep. We did it against Todd. Then we hired Todd, and now he's, you know, part of our club. And then he, uh, we get into a couple of playoff series against Edmonton, and we talk about game four a lot where we had – what was it? Did we have a three-goal lead? We had a three-goal lead and choked that one away because our foot wasn't on the gas, right? So I think as what it looks like to me is that the Kings and Todd McClellan have learned a lesson from that. And they don't, although you can say it's a one, three, one trap, the foot isn't off the gas. I still think we're looking to capitalize on off turnovers. We're still looking to be on the offensive whilst maintaining that one, three, one structured type of system. So I think as, as Corey said, and maybe a couple of you other guys have said, it's, we're able to do both things. And that's, again, that's a sign of a really good hockey team. And I want to give Brendan Gallagher the benefit of the doubt here, because I don't suspect that, you know, because we beat them 4-0 at home, we beat them 4-0 on the road. I don't suspect that NHL is going to go out there after losing what is essentially 8-0 after 120 minutes and go, oh, don't worry, that team, other teams will figure it out. I don't think that's what he was going for. I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he may have been putting us over, but we can't tell, you know. Yeah, guys, big game today. And one thing that I wanted to bring up, obviously, uh, Kings going in to um, play the Islanders. There was a trade recently, and there's a little bit of a connection between this trade. Um, Bortuzzo was traded from the St. Louis Blues to the New York Islanders. Now, looking at the Islanders starting lineup, it looks like he's going to be slotted in that 2-4 pairing. And the reason that I bring this up was obviously – Blake Lazat's back in the lineup. It was great to have Blake Lazat back in the lineup against uh, the Canadians. Um, 
you know, obviously Jared Anderson Dolan did a great job in his absence and Trevor Lewis showed his versatility being able to take over that four C spot. Uh, but, but ultimately Bortuzzo who had played for the blues for 10 years has over 450 games. Um, he's a big man, but he was the guy who took Lazat out of the game. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Will the Kings have any sort of uh, focus on that? Or is it kind of just business task at hand, maybe have a little check mark or a circle around that guy's number? What do you think, Dolly? I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if the Kings really play that way. They don't seem to be overly aggressive whenever one of our guys gets popped. The only guy who really is standing up sometimes is England and Kempe. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to circle his number. Maybe Lazat will. Um, but I, I'm not sure if that's going to factor into the Kings game plan tonight to, that he knocked Lozada out because there wasn't a reaction when it happened. I don't think anyone got in Bertuzzo's face after Lozada took that hit at center ice. Well, and the reason being, I think when Josh and I talked about this in a previous episode was the Kings were up five rip at that time. Were they not? Yeah, it was kind of a poorly placed, you know what I mean? Kind of a bad hit, you know, for a guy mm-hmm. who's been in and out of the in and out of the lineup. Was Bortuzzo trying to show something, right? Was he trying to earn a spot back into the lineup by stepping up? And the thing, I, I think the thing is, hey, we talked about the the hitting in the game. We don't want to take checking out of the game, but like um, you know, somebody almost uh cut into me on the freeway today, and, and you know, it was like, hey, no harm, no foul. But when there is harm, you know what I mean? Then there is a foul. And that's where I'm kind of saying is like, let's, let's play the game as, as it lies. But sometimes when a guy takes somebody out, you know, is there an element that we should, you know, be having some justice, um, not necessarily retribution. I don't think that's necessary, but like, Hey, look, if you get, if you take a guy out for 10 games, you know, maybe you should have to sit a certain portion of time as well. If the play was reckless or outside of the lines. Yeah, uh, when we talked about the hit, the one thing I just couldn't help but think is, as you mentioned, right, it is 5-1, and you also smoke the littlest guy on the ice. So, I mean, for me, it's kind of bush league. It's real easy to do when it's Lazat skating through the middle. Um, But as far as circling a guy's number, I think that would take away from the task at hand to make a point that we got to get some sort of get back on a guy like Bartuzzo. I think, though, if the opportunity comes then you can do it in a in a clean fashion go ahead go ahead and take the opportunity um but i wouldn't i wouldn't i don't i would hope the kings don't go out of their way to uh to try and get some get back on a guy like that i think the task at hand is to win games and uh yeah just circling a guy's number i just would i think we we would be deviating from the task which is rich coming from me because i'm a classic classic (laughs) but uh you know hey i'm 34 years old now that's we call that it's progress not perfection hey dolly yeah i i think the kings are a huge task at hand they're all there's so much take the hit take the power play take the goal in mindset so um i think they they heavily lean towards that but if england has a chance i wouldn't be surprised if he dropped gloves with him hey let me get the same before go let me get this in before we go to core on this. You know, if worse comes to worse, Lazak can take matters into his own known hands and do some weird, goofy knee tackle and take the guy out. So he'll be all right. Yeah, don't don't underestimate the dog in Lazak. <laughs> <laughs> he'll bite. He'll bite your ankles, dude. 
Look out. I've seen it. Lazat is relentless. He will pop, bounce back up from almost any hit. He did bounce up from that hit. Yeah. He's, uh, he's we got you know, live and die by Lazat, dude. He's he's the he's the fan fave, man, for sure. Listen, worst comes to worst, my peoples come first. And the LA Kings, if they have a shot, they'll take it. But yeah, they're there to win hockey games. I don't think they're gonna change anything up or you know, go running after it. Um or I don't know, maybe maybe they won't. Let's find out. That's going to be a nice little uh, intriguing storyline to get some um, you know some viewership on the game. Yeah, and look, hey, um, the Islanders—they're in a win now situation. They're in a win now situation. They have a good team. You know, their top line: Anders Lee, Bo Horvat, Matthew Barzal. That's not a a line to you know shake your shake your head against or you know i don't know what i'm thinking but the guy it that's a good line their second line's pretty solid they do have some injuries so there's probably some guys inserted into the lineup who are looking to you know what i mean maybe maybe make a a name for themselves or take advantage of the opportunity as the opportunity has been given um bortuzzo is going to be one of those guys this is his first game uh with the team and I think the the key, you know, from what we've seen the Kings doing on the road is is to coming coming out fast, getting that uh, getting that lead early, and then really just uh, sticking to the system. Do you guys have any thoughts on on the last couple of games and how guys have played? Do you have any feelings about uh, who might have a, a good game or somebody we could watch uh, to maybe do something excellent tonight? Trevor Moore, to know Fiala line's been pretty pretty good, right? I really like watching Trevor Moore. Um, our top line, I think you, we got to look at the top line to be the top line. They got a good goaltender in uh, Sorokin, but I think, man, I, I, I kind of, I'm going to be a, just a, a homer here, but I, yeah, I want to see more of the same for Cam Talbot. I think he was uh, un, un, uh, like underrated early versus Montreal. Like real early on, he made a couple of really good saves and he did it in a way that was like, he wasn't running around the net. He he kind of held his ground. He got the spots first, kept his chest upright, made a couple of good saves. He did get some help from the post, but just as far as winning the game today, I, I want to see more of the same from Cam Talbot for me. Yeah. Uh, as far as any, any preview for the game tonight in Long Island, in Long Island, the house that Thomas Hickey built, uh, <laughs> but definitely – it's an under game. If you're out there and you had to deposit in one of your accounts, it's an under game for sure. You can even move that thing to five and a half if you want. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of goals in this game. I don't suspect anyway. But here's the uh, the outlook on the game. You guys have mentioned it. Here we are. We're going into Long Island and we're going to play a team that, that likes to play a little anti-hockey. Do we do well against these teams? Uh, so and, and what is – how do you, as the Kings, how do you approach – the game now, knowing what we know, how do we approach the game against a team that wants to play anti-hockey? Uh, is it gas pedal right away, get the lead, and then give them a dose of their own medicine? Possibly. But they're looking for that, right? They're, they're looking to play that. They're actually looking to play trap hockey, and I think they're looking to play practically only trap hockey, whereas the Kings are trying to do a little bit of both, right? So it could be an interesting game. Could be a very boring game, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure. What do you all think? I well, think the, the, over the line that I would look to to see a little more from would be that PLD, Lafreniere, and Grundstrom line. I would like to see – I mean, Grundy's got a knack for the net, so I'd really like to see him pop another one. Which he had seven goals, two assists. Um, 
and then just see Dubois get on the board for the first time in a little while. I'd be like antsy to to see that third line get going today. I'm going to throw one out there, Josh. I like the call on the under. The over under is six on um, on DraftKings. I think I think the guy who's going to have a presence in tonight's game and maybe um, continue to do to do good work. I think he's a player that that we haven't talked about a lot. Um, is uh, Arthur Kaliev? He's going home. He's from Long Island. Um, obviously. He's uh, been playing on that fourth line, but he has been producing. You know what I mean? He has been scoring. He scored a couple goals in the last three games, and um, I think he's going to be the guy. You know, I'm calling it right now. Put a, put some money on a goal from Arthur Kaliev. And the other guy, I think, who needs to get off the schneid, he's still been playing well. Don't get me wrong. I've got him on my fantasy hockey team as Adrian Kempe. He's still been putting up good numbers, but the, he, you know, if he's going to get to 50 goals, then we're going to need to see him you know, having some multi-goal games. And uh, I think it's tonight, tonight he can do that. Yeah, very good. Uh, let's see, not the, not the hijack host duties here, Marv, but we got, no, we got a couple of minutes left here. I, uh, I just wanted to ask y'all one more question. Uh, if you're the coach of the opposing team, any opposing team, and you're playing the Kings, how do you beat the Kings? Try and score first. Hot start. I guess that would be my first my first take. Because the Kings are usually working from the lead, and that's where they continue to succeed from. So hot start would be probably the Islanders' best chance. How do you beat the Kings? Um, you play rope-a-dope, hope to get one, and then you sit back and block shots. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So yeah. this is going to be a tough game. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> do you, uh, how do you, do we, I wonder if we respond well. I don't think a team has done this to us yet. I don't think the Kings, I'm not sure about this again, because we haven't seen it. What happens? How do we respond when a team gets nasty with us? We're going to see it when we play Edmonton, I think this month. We're going to see a little bit of nastiness in that. I wonder how we'll respond to something like that. Where a team gets a little mean against us and we get hacked and cross-checked. And I wonder how we'll respond. I'll tell you exactly how we respond. Putting the puck in the net? You, you put the puck in the net. You know how you respond? You follow the lead. Who's the lead? Andre Kopitar. You know what I mean? The guy is solid as a rock. Honestly, dude, he's like a fine wine. He's getting better with age. I think even Drew Doughty has gotten a little bit more even keel as he's gotten more. He's gotten more tempered. He's still very emotional as a player, but um, I think the Kings are in a spot right now where, you know, you kind of just like laugh that stuff off and keep doing your thing. Yeah. Yep. All right, Marvin, you want to take us out? You think, you think the Kings score first today or you think we're going to have to tr come from behind? I think the Kings, I think the Kings come score first. I think they, they do, they do score first. Um, yeah, I I don't want to look past this team. Like you said, it's going to be a tough game. I think New England or New Island, yeah, New York Islanders are, um, you know, they've got they've got some history there. They've got some guys with some pride. Um, it's going to be a hard game, but I really feel like it's going to come down to our our season, our our road season winning streak. 
like I said, I don't want to look past this game, but tomorrow I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings are playing Jonathan Quick and Nat um, for the New York Rangers. And Jonathan Quick is going to try to do everything in his power to will that team to a victory. Yeah. So so good a good a good weekend of hockey ahead fellas and uh you know i i promised our our people who have followed us uh or stuck around till the end here um it's getting closer and closer to that time of year i think it's what 14 16 days away 16 days away just over two weeks what have you got your special sweetheart if you're looking for some good ideas let's let's stay away from uh, the material objects and, and my suggestion, let's try to find an opportunity where you can spend some time and create a special experience with that person. I don't care what it is. If it's just taking, taking them out, having a picnic in a, in a nice spot, going to a spa, doing something fun, um, going to a Kings game, that kind of thing. I think those are all great ideas, but, uh, you know, definitely a, a time of year where it's more about generosity and giving than it is about getting. And let's just, you know, we're grateful for all the people who have helped to contribute to the LA Kings who have let us be here to connect. We're grateful for the people who, you know, suck around to listen. We're grateful for the opportunity to talk about Kings hockey. And like we said earlier, you know, it's a great game when you see the guys coming together um, on the road, winning it, it's, it's what it's all about. And so we're, we're super grateful for everybody. And, and thanks for joining us today, Josh, where can everybody find us? All right. So, okay. A couple links here, Twitter and Instagram.com slash LA Kings corner within those two socials, Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can find the link, direct link to the podcast. If you go on Apple and Spotify, just search LA Kings corner. That's another way to find it. It'll pop up. Uh, we're going to be live tonight. Watch along. Uh, twitch.tv slash LA Kings Corner, twitter.com slash LA Kings Corner, and rumble.com slash LA Kings Corner. Uh, you can email the show, LA Kings Corner at gmail.com. All of these avenues, by the way, are ways to get questions and comments right on the air. The reason we do the watch alongs is because we want to watch the game with y'all. We want to interact with y'all, and you know, especially on the road where you know we're not in crypto together watching it, you know, when in person. But so we definitely want to watch with y'all and interact with y'all when we do the watch alongs. And the last way that you can do it. If you really like what we're doing here, just another way that you can even donate to the show if you like what we're doing is buymeacoffee.com slash LAK Corner. Buymeacoffee.com slash LAK Corner. That's the only link that's different. And uh, please, you know, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, all that stuff. We could use the support. Sometimes I don't like asking for it, but that's what people got to do, you know. So we uh, please uh, support the show, share it with your friends, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Road dogs, the kings. All road dogs, baby. Woo, 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 woo.